Hi friends, my name is Pastor Alan, and you are listening to the CGC Podcast, where your pastors get together and explore different topics to help us think through and to live out our Christian lives. If you are interested in our podcast, you should visit our website at cgcpodcast.com and subscribe to be one of the first to know when a fresh new podcast has come out. In our third episode of Season 2, Pastor Kevin and I talk about joy and desire. We discuss topics such as how our joys and desires have changed since being a Christian, their relationship to our Christian growth, and can joys and desires be cultivated? Uh, thank you, Pastor Kevin, for joining us again for another episode. How are you Good doing? morning. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> That's great to hear. Uh, how have you been doing? So far this week, it's been wonderful. We had a few nice, sunny, but cool days. I've been able to get out for some walks. I'm really enjoying the spring. That's great to hear. So today we'll be talking about this idea of joy and desire, and I find that this is one area um, in our Christian lives that we often don't think about as being transformed. And I think that's had a huge impact for me as I've become a Christian. Um, Have you found that your passions have changed since being a Christian? Oh, I think so, for sure. When I first came to Christ, I was just kind of unbridled in my excitement and enthusiasm. In fact, I've always been a bit of a romantic and emotional in in some sense, so even when I'm preaching today. But since I first came to Christ, yeah, there's been almost an unbridled, over-the-top excitement that would see me, you know, start talking to people in the bank lineup about Christ as to sometimes because of sin or the world, then you are losing that contact to now where it's not an unbridled uh, excitement or enthusiasm, but there is a deeper sense of commitment and desire after that joy, for sure. Do you find that that change in... I don't want to say that you're not romantic anymore. Like I don't think that that's what we're <laughs> with this. Uh, but that kind of that as we kind of matured in Christ the outward enthusiasm becomes more contained inward or is definitely more inward in nature I'm sure several things that come about and one is our physiology I don't think everyone experiences joy or desire to the same way sometimes the our makeup and how we've grown up if we have parents who didn't necessarily experience or demonstrate you know, uh, a joy and desire, it's harder for us to cultivate. Then there's just also the reality of being told at times that passions and joys are wrong and we need to control them or saying that uh, it's all wrong. You just need to embrace it and and run after it. Yeah, I find that that, that's been my struggle. I feel like when I became a Christian, I was enamored with dying to my joys and passions and just being and living out the Christian life. And um, kind of this is kind of t- touched on in Pastor Gerald Dash's book about trying to white knuckle your faith. As I started to kind of unravel because I was becoming too robotic, I started to realize that there's actually a there should be a connection between feeling and doing and living. And especially how all these three things should then then point towards the Lord, I think is something that was really transformational in my growth and why, to me, I think passion and joy is such an important part of being a Christian today. I think for one of the things for me is over the years in my formative church experience before I became a pastor even, uh, there is this undertone that passions are evil. Um, you desires are evil and it's it's a couple things one is a reformed understanding that the heart is evil above all things and who can know it but you know there's also been at least a hundred years of reaction against the 
you know, charismatic hyper emotionalism and saying, you know, that is too far out. So you need to control things where it actually being a little stoic like that, it moves you into legalism. And I've experienced that in my life where it's not that I say that this is wrong for everybody, but I would say that this is wrong for me. And right. uh, it becomes an issue of legalism. And, and then I don't have joy in my life and in this world. And it's it, if it's not specifically something that's evil of itself and you can enjoy it in the Lord, then we need to do that. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I don't think either of us came from a tradition where anyone showed that kind of legalism about dying to your passions um, or joys. Because based on like just previous conversations we've had, it seems like both of us didn't come from those traditions. But I think for myself, it came from a recognition early on that I felt like my joys and passions were quite sinful coming into the Christian faith. And so I tried my hardest to die to them without realizing that I think dying to them is one thing, but ultimately they need to be transformed. And I think that that's the point that I never got to. I, I think we get it on a regular basis without knowing it from mm -hmm. preaching and from teaching. You know, this is always kind of need to guard your heart, guard your joys and passions. And John Piper really brought a breath of fresh air into the the whole evangelical church starting in the late 70s and that with, with his teachings. But before that, there's a recognition of it, but passions need to be controlled. And that comes out in, in all of our teachings, unfortunately, but it's not necessarily always right. Yeah, I guess what I loved about John Piper and his discussion of it, that this is not just this momentary thing that we, we've only now starting to think of our passions and joys as being part of our Christian faith. But something that I thought he demonstrated was how throughout history, Christians have been talking about that there's a deep connection between joy and life and living and really living out our faith. So he quotes like uh, Augustine or Augustine about how why anyone is a Christian is because of joy or happiness. Uh, we see that in Edwards, we see that in C.S. Lewis, and it just blew my mind how many Christians just got it who preceded me hundreds, maybe even thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that like in our discussion today, I guess it's important to talk about that this idea of joy and desire is not just something we made up in the 21st century to combat feeling, but it's something that really has been on the heart of Christians throughout history. And really, even as we read through the Bible, we often get the sense that feeling and thinking and attitudes really are a reflection of many things that have changed in our own lives, which kind of brings us to our first question today, which is about regeneration. So we've talked about this idea of regeneration, maybe in the past, where regeneration is being, you know, born again, made alive, uh, having a rebirth, and it's a really a transforming or changing of self from what we were to what God is now making us now. And this is a profound impact on our lives, as it says, I think in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, or 5, verse 17, that we are now new creatures. And I think that, to me, this kind of signifies that there's actually a transition or change, not just in my salvation state, but in many of my humanness, humanisms, much of what it means to be human has also been transformed, and not in like a mystical way, but in many of my desires and my thoughts and attitudes have changed. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Regeneration is really that necessary work of God 
before we cry out into God by faith and receive him as, as Lord and Savior. But it's more than simply the monergistic or the soul work of God in us before we come to faith. It is Regeneration is an ongoing process in our lives, continuing to renew our lives into the image of Christ. So it is first and foremost that new creature, yes, but there is regeneration includes an ongoing process of liberating those things under the law of sin, under the control of sin, so that they are used for the glory of God. And that goes on and on, which includes our joys. Now, I want to be cautious and say uh, that I'm, I don't know if I've read anybody who can truly give a biblical response to how our joys and desires are changed in a way that we can understand. This is a work of God that transcends our understandings. And we can attempt to come at it in different ways, but I don't think we'll ever truly know. But being born again means that obviously we were dead in sin before. And as Luther was said, our will was in bondage to sin. So it's a challenge to understand. Before I was saved, uh, I did not have a desire to die for God. I did not have a joy or a passion for God. Mm-hmm. So God gave me a new passion and a new desire, and that was to be focused on him. Yeah, and I think as those things play out, they really have these profound effects in our lives. And I think that maybe this is something that you were trying to mention earlier, but in the initial stages of our faith, there seems to be maybe a more simplistic joy and desire to serve the Lord. But I found that as I've been getting older and trying to be more mature or just being maturing in my faith, that the joys and desires I have are also maturing as they are kind of pointed towards the Lord in just a, a number of different ways I never expected, like in terms of service to others, in terms of experiencing different things in my life, both good and bad, I can still have joy in those situations. And I'm becoming more and more thoughtful about the day-to-day situations as they point towards my Lord and Savior. Yeah, for sure. In in terms of this idea, imagine yourself being released from prison. The first, mm-hmm. first time you're told, there's this unbridled exuberance and you're not thinking of anything else. But as you're being released, then you have to interact with the world around you. And if you've only ever known prison, it's really hard to learn to adjust to all of the realities outside of that prison that you were in. And our will was in prison. Our joys and desires were in prison. So as we go out, we need to learn to take everything captive under Mm -hmm. Christ. And that means that there will be deeper lessons to learn as we go along in adjusting and finding victory in our joy and desire in Christ. Mm -hmm. Some people would say that, you know, we've always had this God hole in our heart, and we've always had this God word desire and passion. But this is where I say understanding what's happened is difficult because I, I truly believe if that we were dead in sin, we did not have a joy or desire for God. Right. Right. And, and so something mystical has happened and will continue as we learn to seek joy and desire in the Lord. Yeah. Um, I find this is going to be very crucial in the way we think about the progress and process about how we come at joy and desire as we become a more missional community, because as more and more people come to our church, especially if they're new Christians, I'm certain that I'm not going to be the only one who's experienced kind of like this, almost like trying to make sense of the freedom that we now have in Christ 
and by starting to have a really rigid view of joy and desire. Mm -hmm. So I think that this conversation is going to be super interesting as we start to grow more in our missionalness as a church, if you want to put it that way, and starting to see more people come to faith. It's going to be a a deeper question I think we're going to have to start talking about and helping people to see the process and thinking through their own joys and desires and sorting them out. Well, for sure. And, you know, the big example of that is if we have a drug addict that comes into the church or homosexuals that come into the church, how are we going to embrace them? If they come to Christ, then their desires, their lifestyles have to eventually line up. But being missional is receiving them who they are and loving them in Christ. And as we have the ability, kind of feed that desire for change in Godwardness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess the question then is, um, how should we then look at our, our desire or our desires in the past and what they look like being regenerated? Do we think of them as death of our desires, transformation of our desires? Do you think of it as restoration? Well, it's it's not death of our desire. Well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> desire in and of itself is not a bad thing. We were created with desire, and that desire was part of the original created order in that man and woman were made as one, and we were created to serve God, and part of that was our desire was to be for the other sex and for God. So desires are part of our createdness in which God has made us. Uh, in, ser- in terms of desires, it depends on what they're focused on. Mm-hmm what our desire has latched itself onto as giving us the pleasure. At that point, it becomes evil if it is not honoring unto God. And so there needs to be a recognition in those things that do not bring honor to God or explicitly uh, work against the principles of God as outlined in the Word of God, then we need to learn to put those desires to death. Right. But it's it's not simply into death in the sense that you know, you can never experience that desire again. So problem is, if you have a sexual desire outside of your marriage relationship, you say you have to put sex to death or that desire to death, right. then that's wrong because you need to actually supplant that with the desire for the physical relationship with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would say restoration is not quite where I would come from again, because God has given us a new heart. We are a new creature. Right. I would say it's a transformation of our desires, whereby God is working in and through us. First of all, this is his work. This is his transformation. But it's resetting the object of our desires on him or on things that bring him glory. Right. So, it again, desire in itself is not necessarily evil. It, Adam and Eve didn't fall from the Garden of Evil because they desired after the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They partook of it. Their desire took them to actually sinning against God. So right. it would be a transformation in my heart, in my mind. But again, moving us toward, in some sense, death to desires, to the evil aspect that mm-hmm. is pulling at us. But it's yeah. finding the transformation in the right desires that will fulfill that in Christ. Yeah, so I think that especially as we talk to other people of like Eastern religions who hold to this idea that true happiness is found to the death of desires, I think that this is where we actually diverge from, not just this in this place, but it's a specific, uh, probably a big part in this place where we don't think of desire as the root of all of our problems. The problem of our desire is not the problem. The problem is what we desire in is the issue. Correct. Um, and, and I think that this is important because when we think of like the Garden of Eden or we think about 
um, the New Testament or Old Testament, the desire of the Lord is something that is honorable, that's good, that's something that we should desire. These are things that we should actually look after. This is where our transformation is leading us to. Um, Whereas the problem in the New Testament, when it talks about denying ourselves, is really talking about an earthly desire which does not honor God, which is not where our desire should be. And I probably would be in the same boat as you. I think restoration is is probably not the direction we want to head in because it, it says we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our in our nature, it means that there's nothing to restore there, right? right? So really, what we're talking about is a transformation of those desires um, into something that where it should be, where it is good, where it actually is uh, right, versus the desires of the worldly things that are wrong. Um, so I think that that probably is the right place to stand on this question of desire. Well, I agree. The New Testament word that's translated in Ephesians and other places in terms of transformation is mm-hmm. actually metamor- where we get the word metamorphosis from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it yeah. is a literal changing from one form to another form that doesn't have any apparent connection. Yeah. I, I guess an interesting question here is do you think that every single desire is going to change? So, for instance, like... If I was really into pets before, am I no longer be into pets anymore? If I have specific preferences in my attraction, are those also going to change? Like, do you think every single desire is going to change? I think God desires to transform all of our joys and desires into things that bring him glory, even those things which in and of themselves are not evil. So if you love mm-hmm. dogs... God can give you a desire and a joy for breeding dogs and caring for dogs, Mm -hmm. but one that focuses on him being the one who has given these good gifts and the relationship. I'm I'm kind of losing my track, and there was so much in your sentence there. Yeah, so I guess my question is, is that every single desire, will it be changed? Or are there, so in my examples are, for instance, dogs or... um, (laughs) attraction things that i'm attracted to will all of will all these things also change or be transformed when we become christians i think they eventually should be transformed because for example birding i do birding i i'm not as big of a birding nerd as everyone thinks i am i do enjoy it but i'm not obsessed by it mm-hmm. but there is a difference when i go out and i talk to people and they say well this is my God, I'm looking at creation, and I am enjoying this. And, and they have a real honesty about it, right. as opposed to me going out and saying, I take joy in God's creation, and I'm reminded of his goodness. So even those things, again, which are in and of themselves neutral, we can have more joy in them once they have a God-centeredness to them. And I think that's our purpose for which they were given in creation to begin with, mm-hmm. to enjoy God's goodness and his sovereignty. So I think yeah. everything will eventually be transformed, right. but not necessarily everything is urgent. Right, right. Yeah, and I, and I think that um, Pastor Daryl Dash's book picks this up as well, that there's so much discussion of our ordinary desires and appetites in the New Testament that are being transformed. He talks about eating and drinking as one example, which is being transformed. And to really talk about this idea that it's not just in these major areas where we see transformation of our desire, but in every area of life, we'll see transformation. So the object of what we desire may not change all that much. So for instance, if you like dogs before you were Christian, or sorry, before you were Christian, and then afterwards, uh, you may not see a change in the desire for loving dogs. But the way that you see that desire actually is quite different now, I think, especially in attraction. Like, I think that, I don't know about you, but like when I was a non-Christian, what I was attracted to 
and when I became a Christian, what I was attracted to became wildly different because my goals were quite different for what I wanted in a spouse or even talking about a spouse is actually quite different, right? Because like as a non-Christian, you're just looking for a relationship. But when I was becoming a Christian, it became much more deeper in terms of, no, I'm trying to find somebody who I'm going to marry and we're going to have this covenant relationship with. So I find that that's an area where I saw a big change in my desire. Yeah. And uh, Pastor Daryl will agree with this. The idea that when something becomes obsessive and maybe neutral in itself, mm-hmm. it still becomes an idol and right. still needs to be transformed. Mm-hmm. So if birding becomes an idol for me in that I have to be out and I'm doing this over other responsibilities, then I've got a wrong desire and that needs to be changed. And it's the same thing. We see that in food, in other things. When things that we can enjoy in the Lord become obsessive, then we have misplaced God in that process. And that joy has now become our obsession. You know, it's it's interesting because I find that a lot of Christians, when they look at some of their desires, they don't realize that it's actually idolatry, even though they may be good things. So yep. one example I have for this is like um, the constant obsession to wanting to be married I find is very true in many singles today. I don't think wanting to to be married is wrong, but when it becomes almost like obsessive that I have to be married, that if I'm not married, that I'm incomplete, there's a huge problem there, I think. Yeah, there can be for sure. So I, I think that, yeah, so there, when we talk about these ideas of good desires, transforming desires, having good desires is not a bad thing, but definitely when we become a tr- Christian, it kind of orders our desires correctly, number one. But number two is that uh, it, there still can be danger in maybe good desires when they become obsessive or idolatrous in our own lives. Correct. And, and But that just... You know, we have to be cautious because that can just feed us back into that stoic atmosphere where, you know, I can't enjoy a glass of wine because, uh, you know, all alcohol is evil. The Bible does not say that. So we get into this legalism where we say, I want to protect myself. We become Pharisaic. Right. And so there's a balance there, right? Would you agree that there's this balance between there are joys and we definitely need to enjoy them. We should not be Pharisaic at the same time. We also have to be vigilant against becoming, letting them be idols or obsessive, where it takes the place of God. For sure. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think at the center of that has to be an understanding of our commitment to heaven itself. As, mm. as we focus on where we're going, ultimately, we can find ourselves dealing with those things which wrongly attract us and wrongly mm. bring us joy. And right. we can actually be more intentional in focusing on those things. Because if I, if I know that I only have five years left in me, mm-hmm. I am going to live those five years to the best of my ability. Right. And so I think the sharper we have an understanding of the imminent return of Christ, the judgment that's coming, the eternal reality that's before me, we start living like pilgrims and start enjoying the things that God can give us here in him and yet not be obsessive on those other things because they will ruin us for the joy to come. Yeah. And, and I guess that's definitely why we continue to see the New Testament writers reminding Christians always of the imminent return of Christ, to always have that pilgrim mentality, to remember that they're in this world, but not of this world, and to live that way. Yes, I, I really personally have grown in my affinity to that understanding and that truth in my life. Mm-hmm. So um, when we talk about this idea of transformation of joys and desires, how, what do you think the relationship between the transformation of these joys and desires are to growing as Christians? Do you think that one affects the other? Do you think that 
one shows the growth. What do you think the relationship between these two things are? I don't think you can personally have growth without an adjustment in your personal desires and joys. You might want to say that it is the object or the outworking of things. And again, transformation is the work of God in us. So our joys in that sense are the result of God and and not something I can work on per se. However, the reality is, is that from my perspective, I'm responsible for my sin no matter what. And if I am not intentionally doing my utmost to move ahead in a sense of real spiritual victory in my life over things, then my life will become one that is ruled by passions and desires that are not focused on God. Right. And so I do have to take an intentional look at my life and say, I I like to read or I, I like to go driving or camping. Well, how does this intersect with God's glory in my life and be intentional about seeking that. If I'm not seeking a change, change will happen and keep me captive to false passions. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. I think that like in terms of how one of the ways we can see the growth of being a Christian in our lives is by looking at our joys and passions. Um, And especially as we even like Galatians chapter 5, 22, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, one of them being joy is actually a fruit that we should see growing as we are becoming more like Christ. And mm-hmm. so I definitely think that the outworking of growth, or maybe it is part of growing, is actually seeing the joys and desires that we have in our lives exactly. as being transformed. Yeah. So so you talked a little bit about this idea of cultivation. Do you think that joys and desires can be cultivated? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe that's part of the problem why so many Christians are in a spiritual funk and just don't feel connected to God, don't have, you know, intimate communion with God. And that is that they have not realized that their commitment to focusing on God in their study, in their prayer, these things are ways that God speaks into our life that applies grace to us. Mm-hmm. And in that, our desires are changed. So if we are not being intentional in the means that God has given us to receive and to be in the process of transformation, transformation happens. It's the work of God. It's his work of grace in us. And he has given right. us the means of grace by which we can make sure that we're on the road in which we will be transformed. Right, right. Yeah, I often see this idea of cultivation much like a plant. So if joy and desire is really the plant that's growing, we need to continually water it and give it sun and to weed it out and to prune it for it to have maximum growth, for it to grow strongly. And I, and I don't see it really differently than our own Christian lives. For sure, the, the growing part is, is all God. But how God has enabled us is to really think about we have sin in our lives that can be pruned, spiritual disciplines in our lives which can cultivate these joys and desires. And really fighting sin is maybe a way that we often don't think about how sin actually can either blockade or actually choke out sometimes our joys and desires. And these things need to be rooted out as well. Well, your example of planting and watering is perfect because— if you don't weed, then the plant will die because the more aggressive, out-of-control weeds will kill it. Yeah. And, and I wonder if this is the reason why people tend to have a negative... Well, like, I, I think in our, in our world today, when we think of joy and desire, these are just natural uh, workings that don't need any work. And whatever it's kind of like whatever they will be is whatever they will be. Uh, but I think that 
the Christian view of joy and desires, it's something that needs to be loved and cared for as much of like every other part of our lives to be careful of these things that kind of harm or affect it. And maybe that's a huge difference between the, how the world sees these things and how we as Christians see them. Yeah. So God has created you with a desire and an excitement uh, about camping. Mm-hmm. Then use that for his glory in building your spiritual life. Use it as time to get away from the busyness of the GTA and enjoy nature. Yeah. Not everyone is, is going to find joy in that thing, but God has given you joy in it and learning right. to redeem it and even to excel in it for his glory. Again, not that it becomes obsessive, right? but that you recognize the uniqueness of the joy God gives you and you bask in it, you enjoy it, and you use it as a means of grace. Yeah, I think it's important maybe to maybe make this more emphasize this idea that the natural joys in our lives, which God has put before us, uh, are actually not bad things that we can enjoy them rightly, like camping mm-hmm. or uh, or animals. But the idea is there is no shame or sin in taking joy in the things that God has given you rightful joy in. Yeah. No, in fact, we, we need to receive them, embrace them, because that is God's joy and love for you to to come unto him yeah 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 for sure and so maybe the last question is um i've often been asked the question of you know i struggle to have a passion or joy for god or to have joy or desire to deal with these disciplines or to have a relationship with him how would you answer somebody who says that they're struggling to have a passion or joy or desire for god Mm. well i think it's may start with even just doing quick lists and saying well what gives me joy Mm mm-hmm what are the things that I like about life that charge me that I can move towards God? Mm-hmm. And with that, you can also say, though, what are the things that potentially are moving into legalism in that mm-hmm. I, I want to guard myself against? Well, can I actually find joy in that in God? Is it truly an evil thing in and of itself? Or is there some cultural Christian Christianese aspect about it that may be hanging on. And, and there's, there's examples of that all over. It, music is, is one. I have a very eclectic music style. I will listen to every once in a while, you know, Q107, or I'll listen to uh, jazz. I listen to jazz a lot. Right mm-hmm. now I'm listening to ethnic world music. But the reality is within our Christian church, it can be very quickly a dividing line between you are saved or you are just not even walking with the lord anymore right and the reality is is there are aspects there are songs that you know i have to change the channel on or whatever but there are so many professors that i know and godly preachers that have a wide variety of tastes and things yeah so you need to be able to receive them be cautious and direct that as an act of worship to the Lord. And yeah, you do need to cut certain things out, but there's nothing wrong with watching a good movie. You have to make sure that it doesn't have, you know, the over emphasis on sex and violence and things like that. But, right. you know, there's good movies to watch. Yeah, it, it is a, a surprise to me how many pastors are really good at instruments or they have such gregarious kind of backgrounds of things that they enjoy. Like I saw there was a there's a YouTube video of like Pastor Tim Keller and like the uh, musical sing-along. Have you seen that video? No, I haven't. 
So basically, he's like driving in a car and he's singing musicals uh, with other people in the car. And yeah, it really goes to show you that we have such a wide variety of tastes and things that we enjoy in the Lord that really build our passions for him. I guess for myself, when I think of the struggle, because I know that I think we both have had times where we've struggled in our passion, is I like to take more time to do my spiritual disciplines, maybe not do them as quickly, but slow it down. So sometimes like I'll, I'll read slower and just dwell more about the passages. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes when I pray, I try to focus more about what I'm asking for, what I'm thinking about, really letting go and letting out all of my frustrations or maybe things are blockading my joy. And then I think the one thing I'm going to take from today is really making a list. And I find this very helpful because sometimes I need to articulate, maybe there's a blockage in, maybe there's a sin in my life that I haven't well articulated or thought through yet. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be some reflection about that. But even just, I find writing sometimes is just very helpful to, towards getting out your feelings in a way that speaking or maybe just in silence doesn't really get you to. For sure. And, and think of this, if joy and desire are part of our createdness that we are mm-hmm. to have in right relationship with God, if they are not cultivated, they will naturally ooze out into ungodly cultivated yeah. desires. Yeah. Right. And right. so, you know, I, I just said a second ago, you know, I listen to Q107 every once in a while. And mm-hmm. I think part of the reality is, is that when I came to Christ as a punker, I was told to throw out all of my records, leave my past behind. And I did that. I, I literally threw out four or five hundred different LPs. Mm-hmm. I've come to an understanding that each and every one of us are so culturally defined, it's hard to understand. I am mm-hmm. a man of the 80s. Part of who I am is God has redeemed me, and those things are part of what makes me who I am. Mm -hmm. And so as I go back, and I'm not necessarily enjoying them, I just like the difference in, I get very bored at monotony of music. Yeah. But I'm listening to some of these things, and I am cluing into cultural realities that I've forgotten about that made me who I was. Mm -hmm. I, I remember one song recently that reminded me of, when I was in my early teens with my biological father in Perry Sound and the Falkland Wars was just declared. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a very specific instant in my life that had an impact. And I can look at things differently and say, well, I understand where our culture has come from because I see the errors of my generation. And those mm-hmm. errors are very evident in the music that we said was important. Right. That's what the music was. That's love and this whole community of there is no gender. Well, I was part of a generation that was bending gender at the time. Right. Well, number one, it's it's funny because I think that if we're talking about preference, I would probably prefer the music of the 80s to the music of today. But maybe that's just my age speaking. Yeah, like there, there definitely is a, a part of us who we are people of our culture and those things will have a huge effect on who we are as people. And I think that there are joys that we can take of things within our own time frame and culture that are fine. But ultimately, the key question is, like, are those joys and desires, are they gripped on kind of like the satisfaction of these other things of right. our culture of our time? Or do they really gripped around and are they really tightly wound up in kind of the the joy and the passion of the Lord, no matter what generation we're in? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there, was, there was a point in my in my Christian life where I would have said that this was who I was in the 80s, and mm-hmm. I revel in that. Right. 
and I don't do it any that reveling. Um, it it held a special place that's different than it does now. It's mm. just part of my past, where before I elevated it as something that was desirable. This was my youth, and I could experience right. that cutting loose and everything. Well, that's not reality anymore. Yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up, because as we're talking about it, I'm wondering if the title or the way that we think of ourselves talk a lot about what our passions actually are. So you talked about being like a, like a punker or like um, in, in like the 80s. Would you say that that well identified your desires and joys at that period of time? I think it does for all of us. The, the issue of Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun, mm-hmm. but every generation has a desire to define itself and to right. express itself. And I think that is so deep within us that our culture changes and every generation defines itself as opposed to what was before it. Right, right. And, and right. that just continues on and on. Yeah, so I, the reason why I bring this up is I wonder that in our minds for our listeners, when you think of what your primary identity is, is it a worldly identity of being a punker or like a jock or uh, someone who like a music lover? Is that your primary identity? Or do you, do you primarily see yourself as this person who loves the Lord and has these other um, hobbies and passions, but the primary passion is the Lord? I really think that actually helps us to conceptualize maybe the what is an idolatrous and what is not. Like what exactly takes the time in our lives of what we enjoy. Well, you set up that question, and it, there better only be one answer for me, and that <laughs> is I am a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> if I said anything else beyond that, I need to be uh, hauled in before the PCT and we'll have a discussion. Um, right. No, but the reality is is that you can never totally get rid of who you are. I am, and that's why I say I really have picked up this concept of being uh, a pilgrim. This is where I have wandered from. I cannot forget memories or block out aspects of my life. God has created me to be the pastor and father and husband that I am today. I'm to be the godly pastor, father, husband. But part of what makes me who I am are all of these things that have spoken into my person over the years that God uses to mold me and makes me unique. Do you think we'll, we'll ever be able to get you in a in a gray wizard outfit uh, oh. so you can uh, no you can, uh, no. <laughs> okay. I thought I, I thought I put it out there I thought I no put it out there. <laughs> no there are there are certain things that I know that I I don't I still don't want to even go there I, we've talked about different things like uh, I I will never play Dungeons and Dragons again right um, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to harass somebody at this moment because they're finding some uh, enjoyment in it. Um, We'll talk long term, but, you know, there's that reality. Well, Pastor Kevin, thank you so much for joining us again for the podcast and speaking to this topic of joy desires. Is there any other final words you want to leave about this topic before we we head off here? We were created for joy and, and for desire in God and in the things that God has given us that can be focused on him that are not contrary to his word. And so we need to be free to just embrace that and in in our own thoughts and process, redeem it so that we can enjoy the Lord here and now for the days he's given us. Amen. And thank you again so much, Pastor Kevin. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the third episode of this season. Our next podcast will be on the topic of spiritual habits. 